0: Good morning, church family, and happy 4th of July weekend to all of you. This was my family's first Independence Day here in York, Pennsylvania, and with only limited and anecdotal evidence, I've concluded that York County sure does love themselves some fireworks (laughs) and loves to set them off at all hours of the night, which is great when you aren't preaching the next day. Uh, But God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And today is week one of our six-week study on the whole armor of God. Today we are in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14, and we'll be looking at the belt of truth. Now why are we doing this? Taking six weeks to study and meditate on the whole armor of God. Well, again, as I mentioned last week, the days we are living in church, they are evil. Thus, because the world is sinful and depraved and evil and messed up and upside down, groaning in the pains of childbirth, And because our relationships with each other aren't always ideal, and because there is a real spiritual enemy, the devil, with real evil schemes and real evil minions to carry out those schemes against you, thus because of all that, Paul implored his readers then last week to Ephesians 6.10, rely on the Lord. To be strong in the Lord, to run to the Lord, not to the world, not to the world's philosophies or the world's ideologies or the world's convictions, but to be strong in the Lord and to stand in the Lord against the evil schemes of the devil. And how are we to do this? Remember, by putting on the whole armor of God. And the first piece of armor we are to put on is the belt of truth. And this first piece of armor church, now more than ever, it is absolutely critical to fasten on. Because quite frankly, truth in the 21st century, especially the claims or the idea of true truths or universal truths or absolute truth, that notion, it is under attack. As Albert Moeller put it, In our pre-modern age, the great issue was which supernatural claims are justified and true. In the modern age, the assumption was that no supernatural claims are justified or true, and in the elegant vapors of post-modernity, any supernatural claim is assumed to be true, whether justified or not, but no claim to truth can be absolute, universal, or exclusive. Did you catch that, church? The world in which we live now says no claim to truth can be absolute, universal, or exclusive. And that statement, brother Christian, sister Christian, it is in complete contradiction to the very Word of God. You see, to God, truth matters, and it must also matter to us. Which takes us to our thesis this morning, or the main points that we will be looking at in our sermon this morning. Our thesis this morning is this, Christian, in order to be strong in the Lord, we must fasten to ourselves the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed in God's word. Christian, in order to be strong in the Lord, we must fasten to ourselves the truth of the gospel as revealed in God's word, which takes us to our text this morning. And again, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. One verse, which reads, Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the grace that you have given each one of us. Lord, the common grace to open our eyes this morning and to feel the heat and the sea, the sun come up. Lord, the rising of the sun showcases that you are a faithful God and your mercies are new every morning. Lord, we thank you for Jesus Christ and his redemptive work on the cross. We thank you for the gathering of the church body today. Lord I pray that our church body that is here and the individuals streaming our message online today Lord they are held captive this morning by your truth. You're inerrant, you're infallible, you're sufficient truth that you have revealed to us as the God of the universe, the God who created language, the God who owns language and revealed himself to us and the truths, the eternal truths of your word via language. Lord, I pray that your truth holds our minds captive. Open our eyes and our ears and soften our hearts this morning to receive your truth, Lord. Father, I pray that you help my tongue. Lord, that it be clear this morning. Lord, that it be full of your truth. That it be convicted by your word and humbly displaying the power that you have revealed to us in your word. Let us be a church this morning that receives your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this. Point number one, Christian, do not follow the ways of the world, but instead fasten on God's objective truths to yourself daily. Christian, do not follow the ways of the world, but instead fasten on God's objective truths to yourself daily. And again, we are in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, which reads, "Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth." And we will begin this morning with the concept of the belt. Or looking at why Pauls calls Christians in the midst of their spiritual battles to initially belt on truth. And the answer to this is really twofold. First off, the belt for a Roman foot soldier was the first piece of armor that they would typically put on prior to battle. Why? Well, Roman soldiers, they had to wear something under their armor, And typically what they wore was a robe or a tunic, which was long, and it was flowing, and it would get in their way when they wanted to fight. It actually reminds me of my youngest son, Theo, who loves to wear my T-shirts around the house. The problem is, my five-year-old son is about three feet tall, and I am about six feet tall. And the shirt then, when he puts it on, it is all over him. And it causes him to stumble when he runs, and he's always pulling at the excess cloth in order to do anything, and overall it makes, him hard, it makes it hard for him to move. And this would be a similar impediment or struggle to a Roman soldier if he just let his long robe hang out or if he didn't have a belt to tuck everything into so that he could fight effectively and not worry about stumbling or getting caught in his robe. Therefore, just as a good Roman soldier would never be ready to fight or stand his ground versus the enemy without a fastened belt, we too as Christians will never be able to stand against the devil if we don't have the belt of truth securely fastened to us each day. But Paul not only has in mind here the imagery of a Roman soldier's belt, he probably, and even more importantly and profoundly, also has the Old Testament in mind here. Don't believe me? Well, you see, Ephesians chapter six, fourteen seems to be alluding to that of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. And some context on this Old Testament passage from the prophet Isaiah. He is speaking in chapter 11 about a shoot from the stump of Jesse or a future Messiah, Jesus Christ, from the line of David, who would come, in verse 5 it says, "...and righteousness shall be the belt of his waist, and faithfulness the belt of his loins." And as Ian Dungood explains, the toxic effects of the fall brought about by the first Adam listening to Satan's lies would be reversed by the second Adam and the heir of the line of Davis, whose foundational qualities are truth and faithfulness. Thus the armor then is first and foremost God's armor rather than ours. Through the gospel, then, this divine warrior, Jesus Christ, gives us his equipment, which he wore first triumphantly in our place in his definitive struggle against the forces of evil. Church, this is God's armor in which our Savior Jesus Christ has given us so that as his children we can stand in him and rely in him, not in ourselves, but in him until the day that he returns because Jesus Christ has not only offered and given us eternal life, but he has also promised that no one will snatch us out of his hands. Make sense? Which takes us to the next question, church. What then is the truth in the belt of truth that we are to girdle onto ourselves? Now commentators, they are divided on this. And really there are three different camps. Camp number one refers to putting on the belt of truth as putting away falsehood and lies in our daily lives and being truthful and honest people. Camp number two refers to it as being 100% committed to Jesus Christ. And really, I think both of those those answers are aspects of wearing the belt of truth, or they are manifestations of putting on the belt of truth. But overall, I tend to fall into the third camp, as I think what Paul has in mind here is God's objective truth. The gospel of Jesus Christ as revealed through his very word. And I came to that conclusion mainly because of Paul's linking back to Isaiah 11 and also because of Paul's profound focus on the objective truth as the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the book of Ephesians. For example, Ephesians 1 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Or Ephesians 4, that the truth is in Jesus. Thus brother Christian, sister Christian, that is the truth that we must belt onto ourselves every day, and remind ourselves of every day, and preach to ourselves every day, and meditate on every day. The objective universe absolute, world-altering truth that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you see, church, the world around us, they belt on feelings to determine truth. I feel like I should be able to marry whoever I want. Or the world around us, they belt on pride to determine truth. No one can tell me what to do with my body. It is my body. I'll do whatever I want with it. And the world around us, they belt on idols to determine truth. Well, this movie star said that, so I'm going to believe what he said. And make no mistake... Those, they are all belts that one can gird themselves up in, but none of them are the belt of truth, and none of those can help us stand against the schemes of the devil in this spiritual battle that we face. As Reverend George Barlow put it, he said, a firm belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, a rational conviction of its truth joined with a sense of its importance is the best security against the apostasy in this evil age. Paul Chapel shared this story, which reads, in April of 2011, a line of deadly tornadoes ripped across the state of Alabama leaving some 250 people dead in its wake. Near Wellington, Alabama, the Hardy family realized the storm was coming too late to find a permanent shelter. They considered trying to take shelter in a metal clubhouse, but it had already been turned on its side by the strong winds. So in desperation, they took shelter in a small line of trees. They tied a rope around the children and huddled around them in the trees as the storm passed. A family member said that while they had been scratched by flying dirt and debris, none suffered any serious injuries. Imagine how tightly you would cling to the trees and rope in such a situation, knowing that your life and the life of your child might depend on your grip would give you all the motivation you needed to hang on with every ounce of power you could muster. Chapel concludes. Although there are no warning signs or news alerts, each of us is living in the path of destructive storms. There are temptations and destructive philosophies abounding around us, and if we do not have a secure place of protection, we will be destroyed. And yet, because the very Word of God is so readily available to us, we often take it for granted rather than treasuring it as the precious resource it is. Thus, church, when we begin to view the truth and the message of God's Word as the lifeline designed to keep us safe through the storms of life, only then will we begin to take it more serious. Brother Christian, Sister Christian, the only security against the apostasy of this evil age is a firm belief in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or think of it this way, church. Farmers, they spray their crops in order to keep insects away. Homeowners, they treat their houses to keep mice away. And doctors, they prescribe medicine to keep illnesses away. But in order for farmers and homeowners and doctors to do any of those things effectively, they must know what repels these enemies and what doesn't. Thus, in order to repel the evil schemes of the devil and the apostasy of this world, it starts with belting on daily the gospel of Jesus Christ as communicated to us in the very word of God. By belting on the truth, we are reminding ourselves of that truth, preaching that truth to ourselves, and meditating on it daily. Thus, belt on, church, the truth that even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. That is the truth church that redeemed us. That is the truth that has cleansed us. That is the truth that made us new and that we now cling to and must hold fast to daily. Because as Luther penned in a mighty fortress is our God The prince of darkness grim We tremble not for him His rage we can endure For lo, his doom is sure One little word shall fell him The truth of the gospel As revealed in the very word of God Shall repel And it has felled our eternal enemy Thus gird yourself in it daily, Christian Belt on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ And you may be sitting there this morning thinking, man, this is great. I thought this spiritual battle thing with the devil was going to be hard. I mean, I have knowledge of the gospel. I have a genuine Christian profession. I affirm the doctrines of Christ and I preach them to myself daily. In fact, my conscience is held captive by the very word of God. So yes, Check, I have fastened on the belt of truth. We good, let's get to the breastplate of righteousness, and maybe that will be a little harder to apply. But as I mentioned earlier, although the truth here in the belt of truth seems to be pointing us to the objective truths of God's Word, culminating in the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that doesn't mean that there aren't applications or manifestations of that in our daily lives. And you see, church, this is where the spiritual battle in this evil age gets real. Which takes us to point number two. To wear the belt of truth, it is not just to know and be confident in and convicted by the truth of God's word, but it is also to stand for the truth and against the lies of the evil age. To wear the belt of truth, it is not just to know, it is not just to be confident in, it is not just to be convicted by the truth of God's word, but it is also to stand for the truth and against the lies of this evil age. Because you see... As Christians, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, in the midst of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we can all boldly and hope sincerely in the gospel as the only means of our salvation. In the midst of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we all affirm boldly that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. John 3:36. In the midst of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we all affirm boldly that there is salvation then in no one else. In the midst of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we all affirm boldly that there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, and it is the man, Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. And all of God's people boldly said, Amen. And then when our friend from college comes around who believes that Jesus Christ is one of many ways to get to heaven, do we boldly belt on the truth of Jesus Christ and share the exclusivity of the gospel? Or do we keep our mouths shut and let our friends continue to be blinded by the God of this age? Or when a family member shares that they are a good person and that that will be enough for them to get to heaven... Do we boldly belt on the truth of Jesus Christ and share, for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight? Or do we compliment them in their good deeds? Or when the world tells us, you just need to be sincere. You can believe in whatever you want. You can be an atheist, agnostic, Jewish, Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, whatever, just be sincere and you will go to heaven. In those instances, do we boldly belt on the truth of Jesus Christ, or do we just affirm their sincerity? To quote Jim Ron, sincerity is not a test for truth, because it is possible to be sincerely wrong. In 1911, Shipbuilder magazine published an article on the Titanic The article described the construction of the ship and concluded that Titanic was practically unsinkable. God himself could not sink this ship. This quotation is alleged to have been the answer given by a deckhand when asked if Titanic was really unsinkable. Whatever the origin of the belief, there is no doubt that people did believe Titanic to be unsinkable. Passenger Margaret Deviney said, I took passage on the Titanic for I thought it would be a safe steamship and I had heard it could not sink. Another passenger, Thomas Beattie, wrote, We are changing ships and coming home on this new unsinkable boat. It was the beginning of the 20th century and people had absolute faith in the new science and technology. They believed that science in the 20th century would and could solve all of life's problems. On April 15, 1912, the New York office of the White Star Line, the builders of the Titanic, were informed that Titanic was in trouble. White Star Line Vice President P.A.S. Franklin announced that we place absolute confidence in the Titanic. We believe the boat is unsinkable. By the time Franklin spoke those words, Titanic was at the bottom of the ocean. Sincerity is not a test for truth because it is possible to be sincerely wrong. Church, the world is telling us now that it is science that will save you. The world is telling us now that it is good deeds that will save you, that it's tolerance that will save you. It is wokeness that will save you. But Jesus Christ, the gospel, certainly that will not save you. The Bible, a book of fairy tales and fables, certainly that will not save you. This is the spiritual battle that we now face, brother Christian, sister Christian, as the entire world is telling us that the word of the cross is folly. Folly that it is foolish. Thus when the deceptive winds of relativity and post-modernity begin to blow across your face and when the attacks on the inerrancy of Scripture or the substitutionary atonement of Jesus Christ comes knocking at your door or when your friends or your loved ones or your family members get swept up into thinking these humanistic worldviews or ideologies or philosophies that they are going to save them, then brother Christian, sister Christian, please know we have been called to dress for action, starting with the belt of truth girded around our waist. Thus never ever ever be afraid to stand firm in the truth of Jesus Christ and against the lies of the wicked one and give a defense to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that is in you, for that is the way of Jesus Christ. For Jesus Christ was willing to stand firm in the truth against his opponents. For when the Sadducees who said to him, there is no resurrection came, Jesus said to them, you are wrong because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God, Matthew 22. And Jesus Christ was willing to stand firm in the truth in order to rebuke his own disciples. For when his disciples began pridefully fighting over which of them was the greatest, Jesus said to them, for he who is the least among you all is the one who is great, Luke 9. And finally, Jesus was willing to stand firm in the truth even to those in sin who did not know him. For when the woman caught in adultery was placed in his midst, although he did not condemn her, Jesus still said to her, Go and sin no more. Church, to gird on the belt of truth and is not just to believe or to cherish or be convicted of the truth, and then just to keep that truth to ourselves and be indifferent to the claims of universalism or be unresponsive to the claims of works-based salvation or be unmoved when a friend thinks they're going to heaven because they are a good person. But instead, we are to stand firm in the truth and reject the darkness when it comes pushing up against us. Church, the gospel, it is the absolute truth the universal truth, and the foundational truth in which we base everything on. Thus Paul says, children of God, for you cannot do anything against the truth, but only for the truth. That is our lives now, Christian. We live as a people of the truth, convicted, motivated, and standing firm in the truth of Jesus Christ. Thus when the lies of Satan come flying at you from every direction in this crooked generation, church, fasten that truth Around your being, and by grace, we will be sure to stand firm in Christ now and forevermore. As we close this morning, I'll begin first by addressing the non Christian who is here. First off, non Christian, thank you so much for being here this morning. It is truly Truly, truly an honor to share God's word with you. And non-Christian, I realize that the most likely thought going through your mind following this discourse on truth is, so who do I believe in? What do I believe? And the question, it really boils down to this. Do you believe in man or do you believe in the creator of man? Do you believe in the creator of everyone and everything? The one who created language and who owns language and who revealed himself to man via language and who sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life and that nobody comes to the Father except through me. Because here is the reality, non-Christian. Here is the truth this morning, non-Christian. Mankind left in and of ourselves, we are fallen. We are sinners, we are depraved, and we deserve the holy and eternal wrath of God. But Jesus Christ, who is truly God, he came into this world and took on human flesh and became truly man. And like you and I, he was born under the law, but unlike you and I, he perfectly kept the law for us. And being that we could not justify ourselves, Jesus Christ, he paid the price for our redemption so we could stand justified before God. As Jesus Christ, he willingly took our place. He was our substitute and bore the wrath that we deserve for our sin. And the punishment, the punishment that we deserve, it was death. And Jesus Christ, he bore it as he was crucified on a cross for the sins of his people. But being that Jesus Christ was truly God and being that Jesus Christ is truly sinless and truly perfect, three days later, Jesus Christ, he rose from the dead, defeating sin and defeating death eternally for all who would believe in this wonderful truth. Thus, non-Christian, let today be the day That you repent of your sins. That you turn from your sins and you trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone as the only one who can forgive you of your sins. The only one who paid the price for your sins. The only one who can clothe you in his perfect life and reconcile you back to God forever. Non-Christian, believe in, trust in, and submit every fiber of your body to this truth and the truth, it will set you free. Today is the day, non-Christian. Believe in the the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you will be set free from your sin and reconciled back into union with your creator. Non-Christian, see the truth, the gospel, and believe. And to the Christian that is here this morning, brother Christian, sister Christian, I am sure you all know that a belt that continues to hang in your closet is never going to help hold your pants up. Thus a Bible sitting dusty and unopened and unread, it is never going to help you grow in the truth that is God's Word. Church, there have been plenty of people throughout history who have been close to the truth. They have been around the truth, and yet they were never moved by the truth. One of the most stunning interactions in the Bible takes place in the Gospel of John, chapter 18, where right before Jesus' crucifixion takes place, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, has the opportunity to question Jesus. And Pilate said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus eventually answers, My kingdom is not of this world. Standing in the very midst of the truth himself, in the midst of Jesus Christ, he has the audacity to ask Jesus Christ, what is truth? And after this, he goes outside to the Jews and concludes that based on his evaluation of Jesus Christ, verse 38, he says, I find no guilt in him. And yet, although Pilate had the truth of Jesus Christ communicated to him, and although Pilate had the truth Jesus Christ standing right before him, and although he concluded, based on the testimony of Jesus Christ, that Christ was not guilty, Pilate still delivered Christ over to be crucified. My point is this, church, anyone can be around the truth. Anyone can readily have access to the truth. Anyone can have 25 Bibles sitting on their bookshelf containing the truth. But just because you have access to the truth, that doesn't mean you fasten that truth to yourselves daily. Thus, in order to protect yourself from the evil schemes of the devil, the one who is the deceiver of the whole world, who came to Adam and Eve in the garden saying, Surely you will not die if you eat of the fruit of the truth he's now coming after you saying surely you won't die if you believe in your own good works surely you won't die if you just be sincere surely you won't die if you place your faith in the world's religions or on science and surely you won't die if you believe my words and not God's Thus, in order to protect ourselves from the evil schemes of the devil, we must fasten on the truth of God's very word daily, and not just read it to read it, not just read it to check it off our list, because as the Puritan Thomas Watson said, the devil cares not how much we hear, but how little we meditate. Thus, we must preach to ourselves daily the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, and we must meditate on daily the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior who saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out richly on us through Jesus Christ and we must stand in and rely on the work of our Savior Jesus Christ daily who for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. Thus, it is my prayer that when the devil comes knocking, we rely on God. For it is God who disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. Church, Jesus Christ is victorious over death. He is victorious over Satan, and he is the victor in whom we trust. Lord, help us then to fasten on this gospel truth to ourselves daily. For we are not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Father, empower us then to stake our lives on this truth. For it is the only power that saves. It is the only truth that saves. Thus, I pray that we as a congregation, we belt on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and we rely on his work and his accomplishment because he has already defeated these evil forces for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle. And yet we have confidence knowing that you have already won the war. As your children, you have given us this armor so that we do not go out there thinking we have to be like you. But you have given us this armor so that we can rely in you, that we can stand in you and in your power and your strength. Father, let us clothe to ourselves daily, gird ourselves daily, remind ourselves, preach to ourselves, meditate on the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ daily. Lord, the winds of relativity, and that there is no such thing as truth, and that the Bible is errant and has errors. Lord, it comes blowing up, blowing up against us daily. Father, let us be strong in you. We know the truth you have given us to us as the author of truth. Let us cling to that no matter what the world does. Let us be a people that brings light into the darkness and exposes the darkness for what it is. Let us belt on this truth as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. It is the practice here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church for us to partake in the Lord's Supper during the first Sunday of every month. Communion, it is a time that we as a church body come together and testify our faith in the truth, in the gospel of Jesus Christ to each other. It is a time that we remember and meditate on the perfect life, death, and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. And church, it is a time that we celebrate. We celebrate together that by faith in Jesus Christ, our salvation, it is secure. And that Christ will come again. He will return again for his bride, the church. We here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church practice what is called open communion. Thus we invite all believers of the gospel to partake. So if you are walking in fellowship with God and with other believers, you are welcome to partake with us this morning.